0: Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman.
1: I'm super excited to have in the studio with us today, Whitney Sculton, who is a licensed counselor here at Winning at Home. She got her start here, you interned here, now you're on staff here. Whitney, thank you so much for making time today.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Tell me a little bit about the client bases and the topics that you're working with and on these days.
0: Yeah, generally I work with clients about ages 15 years old and up for a variety of things like depression anxiety grief issues life transitions but a big passion of mine is working with women and couples who are dealing with sexual pain or other sexual intimacy issues and relationship issues
1: and how how did you get into that particular wheelhouse like what triggered that specific pathway because it is very specific and a little pretty vulnerable
0: yeah i don't think i ever would have just picked it on my own i think It's a combination of one, that's just what God decided to put on my heart. And looking back, I can kind of see how he gradually increased my awareness of that. I would say a big reason for it is just my own personal struggles and experiences with sexual pain. And I think that's really grown my awareness and empathy for people that are going through similar situations. So that's where a lot of my passions come from.
1: And do individuals or couples come to you specifically for that issue, or do they come to talk about something else and then it kind of shifts or transitions down that road?
0: Good question. Both. Honestly, I've had clients that come in and kind of the primary presenting issue is the sexual pain. I've had other clients come in where um, the sexual pain is mentioned, but it's more of the relational aspect that seems to be the focus of treatment. Um, or the main concern for them. So marital issues, relationship issues, and the sexual pain is also a a part of that.
1: Now, Whitney, before we turn the mics on, you were talking about some themes or some Mm -hmm. foundational issues that you think are contributing to clients' discomfort. Talk about that for a little bit.
0: Yeah. Well, I see some common themes in a variety of areas. So for me growing up In the church, over time, both in my own life and with clients, I've started to see some threads of like purity culture teachings that are having what I believe are some harmful effects on relationships. And you just did a podcast recently with Angie about purity culture myths, um, which was super helpful. So I've kind of seen some main messages come up that maybe aren't the presenting things, but in inevitably come up in my conversations with individuals and couples. I think two main ones that I often see is one, this message of like obligation sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talked about this with Angie, but for those that don't know, basically what I mean by obligation sex is what I think a lot of women, especially, have internalized is they've been told that within marriage, especially, sex is a primary need for the husband. And so As a wife, it's kind of your responsibility to fulfill that need for your husband, even sometimes going as far as like, you should be having sex so many times a week or every Mm -hmm. so many days to make sure that your husband's needs are met. And I often see that one closely tied with another message, which I kind of just term like the lust message, which is essentially this teaching that like, Men are inherently um, or inherently struggle with lust. Most men do. And so especially within the context of marriage, part of that obligation message is tied to meeting your husband's needs so that they don't in turn struggle with um, unwanted sexual behavior like pornography or lust. And so that kind of fuels this obligation message. And so in working with women and couples who are dealing with pain, I often see women who At some point in their journey or currently when I'm working with them even when sex is painful feel like they have to maybe not feel like but continue to have sex despite the pain and that's one thing I've gotten curious about like why why are women continuing to have sex even when it hurts and it's not enjoyable and I think throughout that process I'm seeing those themes kind of pop up and I do think sometimes women are just told And they learn to believe that pain is to be expected for women. Um, I know like a common thing that I heard before getting married too was like, sex is probably going to be painful at first and just to expect that. And so I do wonder sometimes if women continue just to have sex because they expect it to be painful or are told that it's painful, even when they go to, especially when they go to a doctor and everything kind of turns out to look, okay. And there's no big concern. And so they maybe think, well, maybe is this just a part of it? And then don't know what to do about it. So at a flyover, those are some of the things that I'm seeing.
1: There's a lot going on there. So when, when you have a client presenting with those issues, where, where do you start?
0: Yeah. So I guess my approach is almost kind of looking at it like a a mind map. And my approach to counseling is always, we're holistic humans. God Mm -hmm. made us that way. So often when it comes to sexual pain, not always, but most of the time, there's more than just one simple cause or explanation for the pain. Um, It's complex. So we dive into different areas. So typically, I'll start with more of looking at the physical realm. So doing like a medical history, a sexual history, you know, is, is the client dealing with any other medical conditions or chronic pain things like medications or birth control can affect um things as well so kind of looking at physical causes but also i think when we look at the physicals we end up doing some education too just on how god created our bodies for our sexual responses and our sexuality how god made our bodies So we look at that avenue because I also think, especially maybe in the Christian culture, there wasn't a lot of good sex education, just like plain old sex education and how men's bodies were created, how women's bodies were created, how sex is supposed to go. So we'll look at that. We'll look at the relationship aspects because often if there is conflict or hurt or disconnect in the relationship, then there's that's probably going to be contributing to the sexual relationship as well and could also be contributing to the sexual pain so we'll spend some time there um, and then also looking at again coming back to some of the the teaching part of it what has someone been taught about sex how do they view sex especially in marriage going back to some of those purity culture messages what have they been taught and how are those beliefs and perspectives um, affecting how they experience sex and the relationship and also how they view the purpose of sex? So those are kind of some different areas that – and there's more than that too, but just at a basic level, those are some of the main areas that we'll dive into.
1: Again, you're covering a lot of different bases, and I'm so grateful for your integrated and holistic approach. Winnie, what do you say to – men? Like, what do you say Mm. to maybe husbands aren't in the room when you're having these conversations? What do you, what do you think guys need to know and want to know, but don't know that they don't know?
0: That's a really good question. Um, I think it's going to vary for every single couple. And even now I've been talking about purity culture as it affects women. And I do think it's affected women a lot, but it also affects men. And so I think sometimes it's going to differ if I'm working with just the in, an individual woman versus the couple together. But, you know, well, I think it's helpful to talk about not only how a, a woman has been taught about sex, but how her, her spouse has been taught about sex, how he views sex. Right. And I think sometimes couples also don't know how to have conversations about it, too, especially when it comes to sexual pain. And if you have a spouse who is at all caring and loving, they don't want you to be in pain either. So what I've seen often is like husbands are often just as confused and don't know what to do about it either. And they don't want to cause their wife pain. They want to help, but they just, they don't know how to approach that. So having conversations about, you know, what does the wife feel like she needs in that moment, talking to both of them about how they view sex. Yeah. Just getting curious, about that, even some of their own hurts and experiences and how this is affecting both of them in their relationship. So
1: good. Winnie, I think that one of the things that when I think about purity culture that I've started to realize is that there was always kind of this assumption that like everybody came to issues of marital sex and intimacy with a blank slate and Mm. especially if they followed all the purity culture rules like if people's technical virginity was intact when they got married then Mm -hmm. then we could make these assumptions and we just know that especially in the last few years in the wake of the me too movement where people have had more honest and candid conversations about trauma
0: yeah
1: how does the church's reluctance to toe into issues like sexual brokenness and trauma continue to complicate this issue. And again, I'm not, try- I'm not trying to like blame or shame anybody, yeah. but the truth is you're right. We didn't have conversations about just the biology of sex. And we sure didn't have conversations about sexual trauma or sexual yeah. brokenness other than, other than threats, like don't have right. sex because then X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people who are like, well, I, I didn't, I didn't willingly have sex, but I was exposed to these images or I was exposed to this environment or I was opposed to exposed to this Uh, You know, inappropriate conduct Mm -hmm. or flat out traumatic abuse. Nobody told us that those were variables that were in the equation, partly because the culture just wasn't talking about those things 20 years ago in the ways that they are now.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, I think you make a good point. Like even in this conversation, we're not trying to put blame on the church, like not at all. But it's learning, Okay, this is what's been happening this is the hurt and the experiences that we're seeing. So how do we change some of what we're doing and really get to the bottom of what we're teaching and how we're handling this so that we can enjoy sex as God intended, but not just sex, relationships too. And I think what you're, yeah, you're addressing some really good points, even with things like sexual trauma or, um, I mean, the reality of how many people are exposed to porn, whether they seek it out or whether it is just happened, like they happen upon it or it's shown to them. What I've seen is I think, honestly, grieving is a big part of the healing process mm-hmm. that maybe isn't touched on a lot. So whether that is grieving, you had experiences that you didn't want or um, situations that you had no control over. And so grieving that or... And especially when it comes to sexual trauma, that just has to be addressed because our bodies store trauma. Our bodies have memories. And so even if you have a history of sexual trauma and you go into a loving, committed marriage or relationship, sometimes that trauma is still going to be there no matter how awesome your spouse is. And sex might be really difficult and painful because of those previous wounds and experiences that you've had. So I think it's important in addressing like the, the beliefs and the teachings about sex. We also have to pay attention to God created us as embodied people, meaning we have to pull in the responses that our bodies have, and even how God created our bodies to protect us. And if we think about even a trauma response or a stress response, so like fight, flight, or freeze, or even those more, um, the trauma part of it, which is even more complex work, God created those systems to protect us. But sometimes we get stuck in those and we need to listen to those too, especially in the context of marriage. My mind is going all these different places, so I'm trying to stay on track with your question. But specifically as it relates to trauma and teachings in the church, I think that's where it's important for the church to really start partnering with people like counselors or doctors or professionals that do have more of that knowledge within the mental health realm or healing for our bodies in combination with beliefs and teachings so that we can help people heal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I Sometimes we forget that the Bible talks about all, all of the heartbreaking issues of our lives. And yeah. I'm reminded of that like when King David was trying to sort out some issues in his own life, there was fallout in his ability to parent his adult children. And yeah. there was a sexual assault within his own family that the scriptures never give us any evidence that David like addressed mm-hmm. either with an individual or the family at large. And so you read that and your heart breaks because you're like, yeah. oh no, like not only does she have this this nightmare, but then she's sentenced to this lifetime of not being able to process it, dialogue mm-hmm. it, work it through, experience healing from it. And so sometimes we think that the Bible is above and beyond. It's like too esoteric or it's too transcendent mm-hmm. or it's too theological. But but like there's like the guts of every human issue are available in the scripture. Yeah. And it it's a gift to us in that way. Mm-hmm. When you talk about what do you do when you have an individual or a couple who's struggling with resentment? Like, hey, we did everything the way that like we did our dating life or we did our courtship or we did our engagement, like the in air quotes, the right way, yeah. the, the way that the church told us to or the way that our counselor told us to. And we're two months or two years or two decades into our marriage. And we still have confusion, frustration and resentment around mm-hmm. sex. And yeah. we're mad at we're mad at God and we're mad at sex and we're mad at culture. And we just we thought it would be better and it's not. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what to do.
0: That is such a reality. And if I can just be a little bit vulnerable, that's something that I very much felt in my own life. Um, getting married, felt like I did things in quotations the right way. Yeah. And being told and believing that sex is this gift, which it is. Sure. And sex is a blessing, which it is. But then getting into marriage and experiencing sexual pain and even trying to do the work of healing so that it wasn't painful anymore and trying to get to the bottom of it which in itself is a confusing process and where do I go for help where do, who do I talk to for healing because it's I didn't feel like I could just walk into a church and start like I didn't know who to go to with it so I definitely felt a lot of that anger and like okay God I'm doing things the right way and yet this is still painful me and my husband are trying to honor you in this we're trying to connect and work through this together and yet this this sucks this is awful and i i've learned we just have to address those emotions head on because it, that is the reality there's anger there because you did have expectations and hopes for your relationship and for sex which is supposed to be this really great and awesome thing the reality is we live in a broken world we live in a sinful world and There's all the things we just talked about, right? There's trauma, there's hardship, there's relational conflict. And sometimes why do these bad things happen? That's the big question, right? Like, why is there suffering? Why do bad things happen to quote unquote good people? And I think part of the healing process is acknowledging the anger and the resentment and even talking through what were your expectations and hopes for this marriage? What were you told or even promised by whether it was teachers or parents or just the culture at large that told you things about sex and that you would have when you get married and you did X, Y, and Z, and then that doesn't happen. And again, that comes back to the grieving process. Like there there has to be grief that you need, that you move through in order to heal and acknowledging, especially in working with couples together for both of them, where's the anger coming from? Where's the resentment coming from? And ultimately, God is big enough to handle all of that. Um, I love it's it's Psalm 13 when David is, if you read it, David doesn't hold back. He's like, yeah. God, where are you? How long will you forget me? But then at the end, I don't remember the exact language, but essentially he's like, but I trust you. Yeah. And so I think there there's healing and being able to lay before God, all these raw emotions, and it's not resolved right away because that's how healing works. I wish it was quick. It's just not. Often the healing process is longer than we want it to be, but even, and I've talked with couples too about living in the tension of, okay, we sometimes we just need to sit in the grief and the pain and the anger and hold space for that while at the same time Let's also look for ways that you as a couple can still connect. Can you always connect, like, especially if sex is painful, can we connect in all the ways that we want to right now? Maybe not, especially for the woman who is experiencing sexual pain, just continuing to have sex, even when it's painful, is often going to make the healing process even harder. And that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother conversation that we could get into. But again, holding tension for that place of like, let's grieve the things that we were expecting and just didn't happen in the places that were hurting while also how can you still connect and love each other as a couple and i mean ultimately sex is very vulnerable but also how vulnerable is it to just be honest with your spouse about what you're feeling and the hurts you're experiencing and to sit in that together that's really vulnerable but that's also where a lot of intimacy can be created as well. Those are some of the things that we get into.
1: Yeah. Wow, it sounds super helpful and and very empowering. What do you say to couples who are saying, okay, we realize that our expectations might not have been calibrated towards reality? Like, not to say that purity culture sold us a bill of goods, but many people were were promised this sexual intimacy prosperity that never Mm -hmm. fully materialized the way that they expected it would. But at the same time, you're saying you don't, you don't have to settle for pain, discomfort, resentment. How do you help couples push towards mm-hmm. something more valuable and beautiful than what they've settled for and at the same time not buy into the hype that everything's always going to be fireworks?
0: Yeah. Well, I think one way we do that is we almost take a step back to and start looking at One, what is the purpose of sex in marriage? Because again, going back to some of those purity culture messages, the primary, sex is meant to be, and this is, we could get into a whole theological conversation, right? But very simply, sex is supposed to be mutual. It's supposed to be pleasurable, and it's supposed to be intimate for both spouses. So let's also take a step back. Let's look at the purpose of sex. Um, But also, what's the definition of sex? Because sometimes, I think couples have this idea that there's maybe like sexual intercourse is like the gold standard. And so if we can't, if that can't happen because it's painful, then it's kind of like this all or nothing thing. And there's so much disappointment when that doesn't happen. And that's often where I see like, especially women who are struggling with pain, try to push through the pain anyway. Cause it's like, well, if we can't do this, then we can't connect at all. Right. So even taking a step back and saying, okay, but sex is so much more than that. And yes, that's a great thing, and let's do the work of healing so that that can be possible again, and that can be enjoyable and intimate for both of you without causing pain. Right. But while we're working towards that healing process of resolving the pain, how can we expand our definition of sexual intimacy so you can find other ways to connect and build your relationship, holding space for that pain and healing, but also still connecting and like you said, working towards a more healthy or thriving and rich sex life than we had before. And so just getting curious about, and that's where, again, where we dive into some of those beliefs too, because I think figuring out w- even what couples are comfortable with or what they're not, because the goal is to never pressure your spouse to do something that they're not comfortable with sure. or they don't want to do. Sure. So that involves, again, more vulnerable conversations uh, from each spouse about um, you know what they find pleasurable, what ways that they really feel connected and um, intimate with their spouse. And expanding that and having conversations. And that's, again, where we kind of back up, again, looking at what were some of those teachings um, and beliefs that they've internalized about sex, examining are those maybe, if I can say, are they totally biblical and are they helpful or are they harmful? And examining those and, um, again, just getting curious about it.
1: No, I think it's so important that you're saying that. And as you identify what sex is, it's also important for us to talk about what marital sex within a Christ-centered marriage is not. Right. And I just want to go back to what you said at the beginning, that if there's obligation sex or if a guy is struggling with a sense of entitlement, Mm -hmm. sex was never intended to be like sin prevention for extramarital affairs for guys. Right. And wherever that came from is... Is nonsense. It's disempowering. Mm -hmm. It's not gospel. It's not Jesus. I just finished reading Non-Toxic Masculinity, which was a thing on male sexuality written by Zachary Wagner. We interviewed him last week, his episode is coming up. Oh, cool. And he just he was great because he said like Jesus was not asexual. Mm -hmm. He was like, Jesus was a sexual person. And so a lot of us it's just a jarring statement to hear because we're like, if somebody's in stained glass and they have no sexual drive, it's just not true. Like Jesus was fully Human, yeah. So every aspect of humanity was embodied, and so sometimes when we run into people who are like, "Well, I have needs, and my needs need to get met, and they'll be met by you on this time, under these circumstances," that's not Jesus,
0: Mm-mm.
1: and that's not the gospel,
0: right?
1: And that's not a mutually honoring, other-centered marriage, and for us to pretend that. Like when you talked about how if if sex is being manipulated or coerced or mm-hmm. twisted, culture would call that assault. And culture Absolutely. shouldn't have a higher bar for sexual integrity than the church. Yeah. Sorry, I got a little bit animated there.
0: No, I, you make so many good points, though. Like I can say yes and amen to all of those. And, but we need to be talking about that because I think some people don't even – I mean – I, for a long time, until maybe one or two years into my marriage, didn't even realize some of those beliefs that I was holding on to. Right. So if we don't start talking about them, then how, how are we going to know we're holding on to them, how they're harming us, but also how do we get back to what God intended? Yeah. Um, so I agree with all of what you just said.
1: When you said that there was a book that you came across recently that was like a light bulb moment for you. The Great Sex Rescue. Talk a yeah. little bit about why that was transformative for you and your journey and the work that mm-hmm. you're doing with clients.
0: It was really transformative for me because, again, it helped me realize those beliefs that I had internalized that I didn't even really realize I was internalizing. But not only that, how they were harming me. Because again, going back to this connection that I'm seeing between sexual pain and some of these, like the obligation sex message and this like lust message, Mm -hmm. I realized for me, one, sex was painful, but instead of taking a step back and allowing myself to heal, I felt like I had to just deal with the pain in order to meet my husband's needs and didn't feel like I could even say no. And when I read that book, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I I didn't realize I was holding on to this obligation message. But what was so interesting is as I was reading through the book, I would often share with my husband what I was reading about yeah. and these teachings. Yeah, yeah, And I don't know how many times I would talk about like each chapter, she kind of dives into a different like purity culture teaching. Um, and I would talk to him about it and he would look at and often his response was, where did you learn this? Like, no, that's not. Th- that's not and he was like that's not what i want that's not true and so to have him kind of affirm like wait what like i was told as a woman all these things but you you don't hold like i was having this obligation message and not once did i feel obligation coming from my husband or that he was putting that on me that was all that i had internalized so
1: you were working off of a script that he never bought into
0: oh yeah yeah I think one of the things
1: that was so helpful for me in that book is that, to your point, most of the messages on sex, intimacy, marriage, sexuality in the church were coming from men. And I'm not I'm not going to get into a whole other theological conversation <laughs> about who should get the pulpit under right. when and what circumstances, but this is why I'm so grateful for Sarah Young, Angie Trenilia, and you. Men have been dominating the conversation for so long women haven't been empowered to know that they have a voice and they get a vote in what happens in their lives and in their church and in their bedrooms and in their marriages and in their homes. And so I think that the church has ignored women's voices to their peril and at, and have jeopardized not just one, but multiple generations of women To untold and unnecessary suffering because we didn't validate female voices at the table and um if that was anybody who's listening if that was your church experience i want to apologize and let you know that that not ought not be like Mm -hmm. the scriptures continually repeatedly reinforce elevate celebrate uh, women and how they help us understand god better how they help us understand ourselves better how they help us understand all of the critical issues of life that matter Mm -hmm. um They don't they don't just get kind of relegated to the corner and only get to talk about X, Y and Z topics. Uh, They have something to say about everything. So I'm just I'm so grateful for your time here and your insight. Winnie, any closing thoughts or encouragement to couples who may be hearing what you're saying? They haven't had the courage to to pick up a book or to start a conversation or reach Mm -hmm. out to a therapist yet. What next steps would you recommend for them?
0: Well, first, I would just encourage anyone who is in that place or even resonating with anything that we said today or you yourself are experiencing, whether it's physical sexual pain or even just emotional or relational sexual pain, because when I say sexual pain, that goes far beyond just physical pain. Sure. Um, I just want to encourage you and say that you're not alone. <laughs> I know that when I was in that place, I often did feel very alone and wasn't sure who to even talk to or who to go to and kind of just feeling like, is this just a me problem? Like, are other people struggling with this? So just for you to know you're not alone in what you're experiencing and there is help out there. And like you said, Steve, I'm so sorry that that's been your experience, especially if growing up in the church, you felt like you didn't have a voice or you were taught these things are, that are now harming you um, and not just you, but I would say it harms the whole marriage too. It's women are harmed in it, but so are men. Um I would just encourage you one it, take taking that first step of even reaching out and talking to a mental health professional but especially someone who specializes in the area of sexual pain or sexual issues I think is really important um so I, and I do recognize it takes a lot of courage to do that so just know that you're not alone, and this, does, this is not a shameful thing. You, you don't need to feel shame, and I know that's another, I guess, theme. <laughs> Going back to the themes that I see pop up, but just know it does take courage to take that first step. So whether it is reaching out to a counselor, um, whether it is picking up a book like The Great Sex Rescue, just know you're not alone in that. That takes a lot of courage, but that just taking one step like that is really important in your healing journey. So,
1: Whitney, thank you so much for the important work that you're doing with your clients and for sharing your thoughts and your wisdom and your insight with us today. It's been great to have
0: you. Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: You've been listening to Hope Through Hard Stuff. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission,
1: consider making a donation at winningathome.com.